Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the end line, they burn him again and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Welcome, everybody, to another version of the Rick Barry Show. That's right, the new name of the show, the Rick Barry Show, along with my cohort in crime, Cyrus Satchez, the surf man himself. And we are just absolutely delighted to have joining us. We This is kind of a thing I've been on. I'm trying to get my old teammates on. We had Butch Beard on just a little while ago. and We have another integral part of the success that we had in the championship with a great player, uh, one of the top players in collegiate basketball. Uh, I always tease him a little bit about the fact that we played him and knocked him off when I was back at the University of Miami, and he was at Duke with his cohort over there, Art Heyman, and uh, we knocked him off. That's a kind of a story. I'd like to get Jeff's reaction to that. Jeff Mullins is joining us. Jeff, welcome. To the- okay. Hey, Rick. How are you? Good to be with you. I, well, it's always good to talk to you, Jeff. We've known each other forever, and uh, we had. Yeah great times together and of course shared that championship in 75 and I always like to go ahead and pull up the old Duke Miami deal because he has a little different interpretation of it. he said that they got the wrong official with them come on tell us tell them the story quick Jeff well um um they're seven foot one center we were up one with like 10 seconds to go and their seven foot one center hit a jump shot from the top of the key to beat us but uh, prior to that, uh, there were a couple of referees that had great suntans. So we knew going into the game, we were a little in trouble with these referees. <laughs> and sure enough, they, uh, they made a very uh, questionable call near the end of the game that gave Miami the ball back. And um, Rick has never let me live that down. <laughs> what I did let him live down is that I wasn't known for my defensive prowess, but in that game, I believe Jeff Mullins and Art Heyman, Artie, who was picked the number one player in the country at the time, and Jeff was probably actually better than him. Uh, but we held them to 14 points for Jeff and 12 for Art Heyman, I believe, in that game, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff. That is true. That is true. Uh, I think that, that whole afternoon on the beach might have taken our legs away. I'm just looking for an excuse, Rick. <laughs> All right, time to take a quick break to talk to you about our longtime sponsor, Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today, whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, including the Golden State Warriors, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Today's show is also brought to you by Balance 7. So, I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH-balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, quote, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. Unquote. Couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 
is working for him. Cool thing is, we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, that's balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free 4-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it worked for him, it can work for you, too. Anyway, so Jeff, uh, what was the most most memorable part of your collegiate career at Duke? Obviously, one of the great powerhouse uh, basketball schools in the country. Well, back in the, I guess we can use the term old days, Rick, the, the ACC tournament was um, very, very competitive because you could have, I think my junior year, we were 15-0 and 0 in the conference, but if we don't win the tournament, we don't go to the NCAA. And um, so going into that every year was very nerve-wracking, even more nerve-wracking than the NCAA tournament because... Um, uh, so much was at stake. And so I have some real memorable experiences about some of those games. And and um, I know one year we had to play State, Carolina, and Wake Forest three games in a row to go to the tournament. And you know how hard it is to beat the same team three times in a row. But uh, we were lucked out and we were able to. Well, back in those days, uh, yeah, I mean, the conference stuff was tough. In my case, I, I didn't have that problem because we were independent, so we didn't even get a chance to uh, to, to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, right. The disappointment to me. But actually, back in those days, the NIT tournament was a huge tournament to play in. That's uh, That was the one that they had there. But anyway, so you went on from there, and then you had an opportunity to go and, and join the ranks of professional ranks. Where were you hoping to go and tell people where you wound up? Well, you know, uh, ironically, Rick, Bob Ferry, uh, uh, Ferrick, um, had told me that um, Golden State was going to draft me. Um, so I thought I was going to go there, uh, but St. Louis drafted me right before the Hawks picked. And um, when I got there, St. Louis had like five guards. And I, I went into the general manager. I said, why in the world did you pick me with all these guards? And they said, because we didn't want Golden State to get you. <laughs> so um, two years later, I got traded. And, um, and uh, that was the best break for me. I believe that was your second year and my third year. And uh, fortunately, being able to stay in one city for the whole time was, was very good. And San Francisco is such a great place. Did you play with a uh, Bob Pettit when you were in St. Louis? Bob Pettit and Cliff Hagen were uh, both in their last year, my first year. Okay. So um, I did get to play with them, and um, and um, Richie Guerin was there. He was the player coach. So um, um, it was it was a good year, but I. Uh, I really, uh, the break I got, uh, Rick, I don't even know if you know this, but my second season there, Bill Sharman took the radio job. And because they had such a veteran team with Hagen and, and Pettit, that nobody ever practiced. So I would stay late and Bill would come out and we'd play one-on-one and play shooting games. And then the next year he got the San Francisco job, Golden State job. And, um, 
he draft he traded for me right away. And um, so that was the biggest break in my career. Yeah, being in the right place at the right time is uh, is, is a big factor. There's no question about that. So um, anyway, Jeff Mullins is joining us here on the Rick Barry Show. Uh, yeah. With my cohort, uh, Cyrus Satchis. Well, Rick, you, you know, you brought up that he played at Duke, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is that Jeff Mullins' number was retired by Duke basketball. I mean, that is such an honor. I mean, for a program as storied and as illustrious as Duke basketball, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I just, in case people aren't aware of that, because you, you talked about briefly you, you two playing college basketball against each other, Duke and Miami. Um, Jeff, that's impressive, man. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. That's, you know, outside well, of the Hall of Fame, I mean, getting your number retired is like the next greatest thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I was very honored. Um, it happened um, well after I retired. And um, it's an honor to be on that wall because, as you know, uh, Duke basketball, I, I like to say Duke basketball is the college basketball, what Augusta is the golf and Wimbledon is the tennis. And, right. you know, when you think about it, um, everybody wants to go there and see a game. Yeah. I broadcast from there, and it's one of the worst possible places to broadcast from. You're up, you're up in this little stupid box. I mean, it was it was terrible. I agree, Rick. I agree. And you can break a leg. You can break a leg getting up there. That's exactly. Uh, yeah, no question about it. So anyway. they added air conditioning though about ten or fifteen years ago, made it a little more tolerable. It used to be so hot up there. Oh, and. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was there before the air conditioning. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was, who, were you, who, who were you broadcasting for at that point? CBS? What's that? Were you broadcasting for CBS at that point? Yeah, I did some college different things. And, you know, yeah, but it was, uh, I remember, I remember having to go there. I heard so much about it. I had never been there before. And I got the opportunity to go there. And I said, wow, this is almost as bad as what they did for the media people when they first opened the LA Forum. And they had you back up. We had the thing. We needed binoculars to be able to see the damn court. It wasn't right down courtside like they normally have. <laughs> I remember those as two of the worst possible broadcast positions ever. The Forum in LA and and at, and at Duke at Cameron. Anyway, Jeff Mullins joining us here and uh, just kind of reminiscing a little bit about uh, his illustrious career. Obviously, an incredible uh, an incredible scorer and shooter. In fact, Jeff was the guy, uh, Cyrus, I told you that I used to go to. I remember Jeff the one time when I was having trouble with my shooting and I asked you to watch me. And, uh, and, and it said, it takes a shooter to notice it. And I tell everybody, you said, Rick, you're releasing the ball on your way down. And I wasn't releasing it at the peak of my jump because you're not supposed to have any motion in your, in your shot at that time. Right. If that's a, for a pure jump shot. Now, a lot of guys shoot the set shot, obviously, which is different. Uh, but Jeff was, he pointed it out and it made all the difference in the world. So I always uh, yeah. was appreciative of that. You know, I, and Rick, I still, I'm sure you do it with free throws all the time, but I still watch the NBA game today and I can't help but say, well, if this guy would just do this, he wouldn't, he wouldn't shoot 50% from the free throw line. He'd be able to shoot. Something. And Giannis, as great as he is, it's so simple to correct what he does wrong, but oh. nobody seems to do it. You know, he, he releases the ball. He's leaning back. He's leaning away from the shot instead of going with the shot. And um, yeah. But he also has many pieces to his shot. It's not, a, it's not a fluid shot. Why he wants to hold on to the ball so long to be thinking about it all that time when you're having troubles. I just, that was yeah. nutty, too, as well. But he did come yeah. through, came through big time, though, in the, in the big game when he had to. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, and that's and that's crazy, oh, Jeff. Would I, you? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to ask Rick a question. What do you What do you think of basketball today? NBA basketball. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you the same thing. I, I here's the deal. <laughs> I think I, I I really really disliked it for quite a while, but I think because of the copycat syndrome that most guys people try to copy what's been successful, and the Warriors were so successful in their five year run, moving, passing, cutting that more teams are starting to do that and moving the basketball and making three, four, five passes. Not like I remember the first game when Cleveland for the first time played the Golden State in the finals. And I was doing writing for the San Francisco Examiner, Jeff. And so I charted the game. 59, 59 possessions for Cleveland, zero or one pass. Uh That's insane. Yeah. 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 So I think people are copying it. And, but the thing about it is, it's that it's still not people going and looking inside out. It's still passing mainly to look to get a three-point shot, it seems like. I, I, yeah, I have yeah. a real problem. So, anyway. That's yeah, I can't get over it, guys, giving up layups to throw it back to the corner for, for a, three, a 40% like, three-point shot. It's like the Asian teams, and they used to watch international flip. They, they would all do that. They penetrate and kick out the three-point shots. And so yeah. and so we're, becoming, we're becoming Asian-style basketball, right? And all three-point shooting going on. So your, your thoughts about the game. So I gave you mine. What are yours? Well, I, um, I, I never have liked this joining up. Um, I always uh, – and that's why I really enjoyed Giannis's win this year because, you know, he stayed in his team and he, he – And he built a team around him, and they won a championship, much like you did. I mean, if you could have gone to Los Angeles and played with Jerry West and Wilt, it might have been easier for you. But um, you built a team around you, and I believe, I, I believe great players do that. They don't just recruit other great players to try to win something. And Absolutely. So I, and when LeBron did it the first time in Miami, it turned me off right then. Even though I respect him as such a warrior – but I think he's good enough that he could have done it by himself. And, um, and he did later in Cleveland. Um, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't really like that part of the game. And I think, you know, they picked a lot of that from AAU basketball. That's the way it starts in high school. These kids, they, they may be from San Francisco, but they play for a Los Angeles team because that's where all the good players are. And uh and uh, so these kids start doing it early and they start joining up when they're sophomores and juniors in high school. Hmm. You know, Jeff, I got a question. Uh, were you upset when Rick left to join the ABA? Like did that piss you off for a few years there? Um, well, you know, that was such a turning point for all of us. You know, I had a chance to go to the Kentucky Colonels. Nate really? Had a chance. Yeah, Nate had a chance to go to um, one of the other teams, maybe it was Chicago, and Rick had a chance. And, um, uh, you know, we all understood. I mean, we're talking about tripling our salary in one year. And uh, I, I, I was disappointed. I wish I could have played with Rick for 10 years. But, um, but you know, and, and the other thing about that, uh, Cyrus, we we had a we had a dynasty team in the making right uh, yeah then uh, Nate was in his fourth season I was in my third Rick was in his second Fred Hetzel was in his second um, Clyde Lee was in his first um, 
we, we had a, a very good nucleus of young players, but, um, but you have to, we all have to be thankful that the league changed in that year because, um, um, you know, all of a sudden we had another organization to sell our services to. And uh, right. even though Rick had to pay the price because of the, um, the clause, but, uh, yeah, well, it was difficult. But the, the thing about it, Jeff, that most people don't understand, I didn't do it for the money. I could have gotten, I could have gotten every bit as much money from the Warriors if they had given sure. it. The thing is, I just didn't have a good time. I mean, we came within two pick and roll plays with Nate Thurman and me, and you remember them, the one in Philadelphia when the ball actually bounced on the floor and everybody knew there was a foul and there was no whistle blown, and sure. then the last at the Cow Palace. And, and we wound up beating one of the great teams in the history of the league and winning a championship and could have been great. But I just didn't have fun. Bill Sharman took the fun out of it for me. No days off. I mean, <laughs> I mean seriously, during that, during that playoff series, I mean, he got mad at me because I wouldn't get my ankle shot up to go and practice. I mean, I was getting yeah. my ankle shot up before the game and at halftime, which today they would never allow you to do that. I'm, I'm lucky I didn't ruin my career. And, right. uh, and, and so, I mean, it just – it's basketball always been fun for me and with an amazing season that we have and you know i was the mvp of the all-star game and all that other crazy junk but the thing is is i didn't have i didn't have fun because he took the fun out of it and that was what yeah. it was for so and yeah. anyway but in any way it helped you it helped everybody else because everybody else got more money and salaries and they got rid of the reserve clause and so it changed everything and we did eventually hook up together and get a championship that's the most important part of it you can't exactly. handle the truth <laughs> That's one of our little specials here that I, I talk about stuff and Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise and uh, a few. Good <laughs> Most people can't handle the truth, Jeff. So listen, so you go on and do something and you had a very successful career, uh, you know, coaching. Tell us a little bit about your experience with, uh, with, with, with coaching in the college ranks. A college coaching. Yeah. yeah I, I always say, uh, Rick, that I, um, I really enjoyed myself for 10 years. Uh, but the last year or so, you know, when, when you start getting a little mad at the players because um, they're not they're not valuing the college education the way I think it should be done, and uh, I, and I knew it was time uh, time to move on. But I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed and I agree with you. First, with... Um, I oh, sorry. I, I just. Yeah, I would say I agree with you regarding players not valuing the college degree and the experience and the education. I just I feel like that's just glossed over these days. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and you know it's it's so much worse now. I um, I had a, a major college coach tell me the other day that if rules today's rules were in college basketball 15 years ago, he'd have tried to go to the NBA and gotten out because it's. Um, it's going to be unbelievable the next 10 years, I think, college basketball. Yeah, unbelievable, but not necessarily in a good way. Jeff Mullins is joining me here on the Rick Barry Show. We're on with Cyrus Satchez, my cohort in crime, uh, talking a little basketball and Jeff's experience as a, a collegiate coach. Um, but, yeah, here's the thing that people understand. If you're not having fun, then you have a job, right? If you love what yeah. you're doing, it's not a job. That's why I try to tell young kids, find something you have a love and a passion for. Get to be as good as you can at it, and somebody's going to – pay you to do what you love to do that's not working for a living and yeah. so your, your job your, your your coaching turned into a job for you and just like yeah. me playing there under under bill and god rest his soul i really liked him as a person that was like a job i mean it wasn't fun it was and it, it always been fun for me. and you know rick um the um yeah 
one thing I took away from my time in college uh, sport, it's amazing how hard the kids work in all the sports, not just basketball. But I mean, they have um, winter training. They do weightlifting in the morning. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't have been a happy camper at Miami now, I'll tell you that, because they do a lot of extra stuff. And when you see a, a young lady um, um, take herself out of the Olympics because she's just stressed out, um, I can understand that because they they are worked to death. And um, a lot of times the people pushing them can't appreciate exactly what it takes to be successful. Yeah. Well, you talk about Simone Biles, obviously. Uh, and right. yeah. she did come back and I was surprised she did the balance mean because I mean to me that's the one that scares the hell out of me more than any of the things that they that's a scary out. one. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I never thought of it that way. You're absolutely yeah. right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm like I'm like holding on, I'm cringing and just saying, Oh, please don't hurt hurt. I mean so <laughs> it really is. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's all part of it. But here, Jeff, here's the thing. I wouldn't have minded to work. Here, I, I told people I would love to be able to go back and have what's available to the players today on the NBA level, especially with the strength coach, the agility coach, the, you know, the diet yeah. and all the others. I'd be faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance. People say you couldn't play. I said, you're out of your mind. I'd be so much better if I was playing yeah. today than I was before. The only thing I would have to do to change my game is that I would have to be even better ball handler. And they always talk about I was a good ball handler, but I was righty, lefty, crosser. That's the extent of my ball handling yeah, skill. Me too. <laughs> you know, I mean, I watched my son Canyon doing his ball and he drills two balls. I'm going, oh my God, this is amazing. But all that is, it's just time and effort and putting it into it. In fact, I, I, I don't know about you and having me do it over. I told people, if I could do it over again, I've, I've been having everything where it is now with my incredible wife and son and the friends and ever that I have, I would go back and never leave the NBA. But I also, if I went back having all this training available, Jeff, I'd play point guard. You'd play point guard, huh? Yeah, I could. you could do that. Yeah, no, because I was, quicker. I was quicker than the, our guards. You know, I used to beat Al and those guys in the right. stuff. Yeah. But all I'd have to do, if I improved my ball handling, I could see the floor and pass. But there, I would have control of the destiny of my team totally. I, I was able to do that somewhat as a, as a forward, but as a point guard, oh, God, I would love to do that. <laughs> well, and a lot of people don't appreciate what a really good passer you were mm. be able to see the whole floor from point guard position you you'd have a bunch of assists yeah by the way jeff mullins and i had had a great thing together we had a really good situation jeff would pass and do something and back cut his guy and we we got you got a lot of baskets off of that play but then we that was a good play. we did we did absolutely yeah that was a good play you know, Jeff, uh, you know, for the younger Warrior fans that are listening right now um, who might not be that familiar with your game. And, and again, you and Rick were part of that 75 team that won the championship. Um, what player today do you think resembles your style the most that you could compare to the most that you see a similarity in? Well, um, I'd love to say Thompson <laughs> uh, with the Warriors. Hey, um, Jeff, I was going to say uh, that's the guy I would pick. They said you did a little bit more, but a guy who can hit the shot that didn't win, you know, all dribbling around yeah. doing all that stuff. You, I, that Clay Thompson, I, I'm, that's, I'm, yeah, I'm, I would, uh, I would love to do that. He's such a great athlete, though. But, but um, I like Rick, I, I wasn't a great ball handler. And so uh, I did a lot of my, um, a lot of my shots and stuff off one or two dribbles, three at wow. the most. But, uh, and I remember, uh, in fact, uh, Jim Barnett called me after one game when Thompson had 60 some points. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, the 60-point game. Yeah, yeah. And he said after the game, they they um, videotaped and counted how many dribbles he took. And he had 60-some uh, points and only took 13 dribbles. Correct. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's incredible. That is so, you, so, Rick, you had a Clay Thompson on your team. That's that, incredible. That's an incredible stat. But, um, <laughs> like you said, he wasn't yeah. as athletic. wasn't as athletic. His defense wasn't as good. Uh, but he could keep the hell out of it. No, no, yeah. he was a great. He was a great shooter and scorer, and knew the game and understood it. And can move without the ball, like we talked uh-huh. about. We had a lot of good passing and cutting, moving, kind of like what the Warriors do now. Because back then we played the game the way it's supposed to be played, fundamentally sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hear someone yeah. else. By the way, is someone else joining us? I think somebody else is joining us. We have a, a guest uh, that we like to bring on board with us. We're doing a little reunion type of thing here, and then. We had Jeff, of course, played the, the two guard spot on our championship team, but there was also a very important part of our championship, and it doesn't happen very often. We're kind of praying it happens again for the Warriors this year with the two draft picks they just got. Right. The young man who wound up being rookie of the year that year that we won the championships. And we have, he was then Keith Wilkes when he joined us out of UCLA, and now he is Jamal Wilkes, and we're delighted Woo. to have him joining us here on the Rick Barry Show. Hello, Jamal. Hey, Rick, I'm delighted to be on the show, and uh, it is Jamal Keith Wilkes, so you can still do either or, but, uh, uh, and is Jeff still on? Hi, Jeff. There. Hey, uh, hey, Jamal, how are you? Good, good, man. It's been ages since we spoke. I hope you're well and your family's well. Uh, we are, we are. Um, I'm recovering from a little bit of a bike accident, but... Um, but other than that, we're doing great. Thank you. Hey, Jamal. Oh, well, I can't remember how long it's been... It's more than a, little bit, a little more than a little bit of a, of a bike accident. He broke several ribs, his clavicle. It was a really bad bicycle accident. Thank oh you. my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Wow. Was it another car, a bike involved, or another yeah. car involved? No, no. I was um, actually I was going down a slight slope, and um, my chain broke, and it locked my rear wheel, and oh, slammed wow. on the brakes, and um, my body didn't stop <laughs> so um oh. and it threw, threw me to the right so most of my damage is on the right side yeah well i'm, I'm so on the right side that, man. Yeah. wow yeah see see he, he 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 appreciates me so much he decided that he wanted to have a bad bicycle action like me so we can miserate together <laughs> <laughs> okay okay poo all right yeah. my hero my hero yeah, exactly hey, well jeff get get, get better soon uh, yeah, Jeff. Thank you. We'll say you get well soon. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get together when I get down in this this winter. Hopefully, we'll find a way to get together and visit down there in Florida. We definitely will. I guess for me, thank you for joining us, and we're going to continue with the rest of the show with uh, with our teammate uh, Jamal Keith Wilkes. So thanks, thanks, Jeff. Jeff. Good night, guys. Bye, Good night. Jeff. Good being with you. Thank hey, you. great to be have you. All right, so Silky Smooth, that's right. This is the guy, Cyrus, just so you know. I used to tell him, we would practice and we'd play together, you know, and they'd say, and he would not miss. I mean, I said, Jamal, here's the key. When we go to play doing something and whoever's guarding you, just have a visualization, put my face on this guy, and then you'll kill him because he hardly ever missed. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait a minute, Cyrus. Imagine going to practice your rookie every day, play against one of the greatest ever. <laughs> Of course, you're going to bring your A game. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Jamal, so, uh, go ahead. Sorry, sir. No, no. So, I mean, he could afford the coast. You know, he could 
bring his C game, <laughs> you know, and, and, and just keep his uh, wind good, you know, run up and down the floor. But I, I felt I had to impress every single minute out there with him, man. You know, it was awesome. Yeah, well, you, you did that because it's rare that rookies are contributing factors to team success and winning a championship. And that's why we're just saying we're hoping that both Moody and Kaminga uh, are guys that they do wind up keeping them, that these guys are able to do with you and and our, our, our teammate, who unfortunately is no longer with us, Phil yeah. Smith, did Phil, for us yeah. in, that, in that remarkable season that we had, having contributions from two rookies is very, very unusual. So well, let's talk uh, You know, Rick, if I may comment on that, I think uh, it, it, it was unusual. And I think, well, I think there's a chance there may be, because with our team, you know, we not only had Al Addo's, and yourself, but we had Mullins, Jeff, who was just on, Butch Beer, Clifford Ray. So we had a lot of veteran support, you know, to try and show you the ropes uh, here and there. Plus, we weren't expected to come in and, you know, do it right away. But this current Warrior group, I think you'll both agree, you know, they have the, the solid management in place, the solid ownership and, and, and veterans. And I think they'll try and bring these guys along wisely. At least I hope, as you do, Rick. Yeah. Well, the and, and me too. <laughs> Believe me. Happened because there's a limited window of opportunity with Steph and Clay and Draymond. These guys aren't getting any younger. And so they need to try to win now. And that's why it's in some respects, it's a gamble if they wind up keeping these guys. And so I'm kind of praying. I say, I, I hate to be wrong, but my whole thing, Jamal, how do you, how do you draft somebody seventh who is just not a good shooter. Although I will say, I watched the game again. He played the other night. He knocked in a bunch of three-pointers. And so he if, did. Yeah. If he's going to do that and do it with good efficiency, that's going to be a great thing because there's some things about him, Jamal, that I really do like. I mean, he made a great move, spinning move, and made a great pass to his teammate for a basket underneath that a lot of guys would have fired up a horrible shot. He's got a lot of nice qualities. I think he can mm. become a really nice player, but the biggest thing, slow down a little bit, but also he's got just to be a more consistent shooter. And if he can get his shooting up to, you know, in the mid forties from at least twos, and then if he can get up into the mid thirties from threes, that's going to be just fine for him. But let's talk a little bit more about you, Jamal, and your experience. And so you obviously were an outstanding high school player and you went on to play some of those great, unbelievable UCLA teams. Tell us a little bit about why you went there and, and your favorite experience. Well, I, uh... Ultimately, it came down to Coach Wooden. I mean, I, I liked uh, I liked the Bay Area. Both of my older sisters went to school in the San Francisco area, and so and I had family up there. I went up there almost every holiday, so that was very comfortable. I, I really liked USC a lot, believe it or not. You know, and the thing the guys at USC would say, Jamal, if if you go across town, you'll be a Brun for four years. If you come here, you'll be a Trojan for life. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, we're still kind of battling that. As an alumnus now of UCLA, you know, we're, we're trying to chip away at that perception <laughs> because it's a very, uh, very wide perception. But at any rate, uh, you know, I like, you know, I had a lot of opportunities to go a lot of places, and uh, a lot of places offered me stuff under the table. But when Coach Wooden came to close at my house, he looked my mother in the eye and promised her two things. I'd, I'd get a good education if I went to class and I'd have a chance to play for him at UCLA. And so you know, that was kind of refreshing. We, we rarely talked basketball when uh, we were together, um, but uh, he was such a compelling 
presence. And plus, I grew up in a little beach town just north of Los Angeles. And uh, LA and, and San Francisco were kind of like the center of my world. So, you know, I would get the LA Times a lot. So, you know, it was it was kind of like uh, New York and Broadway. You know, if you can make it in LA, you can make it anywhere. And so, but uh, eventually it was Coach Wooden. I mean, all things considered, it, it was him. Uh, that was the ruling reason. That's incredible. And by the way, you said something there, which you, you really just said nonchalantly, but I have to backtrack to that. And Rick, I'm going to ask you as well. Like, what's a, what kind of under the table deals were you offered and is that, is that, was that a regular thing for you too, Rick? Like, were you being basically bribed to go to schools? I had zero. <laughs> no, I was, I was nothing. Absolutely nothing. I was never offered anything whatsoever. Nothing. So Jamal, what, what, what were they offering you? I mean, was it cars, money? I mean, what's, yeah, could you cars, describe that? Cars, cars, extra money, clothes, you know, a place to live. Of, of course, women, if that's what you wanted. But oh this was, my the, you know, when, when you go visit these schools, the players host you. And so a lot of it comes through them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I went to a couple of places. I was shocked. Uh, you know, the guy started offering me all this stuff. It was a very reputable school, too. But uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, wow. fortunately, I think I saw through through that, past that. And, 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 and I went for the, you know, the, the straight shooter, if you will. <laughs> hey, Jamal, yeah, I mean, we'll- Jamal Wilkes is going to be here in the Rick Barry Show with Cyrus Sessions. And hey, here's the thing. We're, we talked about this a little bit and get your thoughts on it. So here we go. Back in those days, he was offering all this stuff. What do you think about the new rules and stuff with all of this thing where money is going to not be affected? They're going to offer opportunities to players. My, my thought was, it's, I think some kids are going to decide to go to a school because of what they're offering them as opposed to a place where it's best for their game to help them get to the next level. Your thoughts on that? Well, I'm still processing it, Rick, quite frankly, this uh, name, image, and likeness. I have no idea how to play out. And I, I, I wonder how they're going to, uh, it, it'll be, I, I, I don't know what to think, honestly, Rick. Uh, you know, I thought they might have a problem with unionization, uh, but apparently not. Uh, I'm still kind of getting my head around it. I, I just don't know what to think about it. Yeah, I don't but, know what to think about sitting here with two Hall of Famers. I'm just still mind blown at that. Very well, impressive. Say, Rick, Rick Barry is the only guy to lead the NC2A, the ABA, and the NC2A. Think about that. Yeah, I, I, I have. That's yeah, yeah, but the I, only I, human I, being to lead him in scoring. Shots, you take enough shots, you can score. Uh, <laughs> plus, plus, he was a great passer, which gets overlooked. I mean, no yeah. one talks about that. Jeff just said that too. Yeah, that's crazy. He's a great passer. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, thanks for the for the for the nice words and stuff. But you, Jamal had one of the most cockamamie shots ever. But he <laughs> he had flying elbow, which unfortunately, like for LeBron, it stayed out there and it kept flying. But Jamal, <laughs> when Jamal shot, no, he would bring it back in. He, he amazingly he would get it back in so that it was in a proper position. But man, if you looked at that shot, it's one of those shots, kind of like Jim Furyk in golf. You don't want to watch Jim Furyk swing. No. <laughs> you, watch, you just watch the result of it, you know, and that's kind of like right. what Jamal was when he when he shot the ball. So let's real quickly back to UCLA. Uh, so of all of the incredible experience that you have there, what, what was your most uh, most memorable experience there? Oh, so many. I mean, you know, the thing about Coach Wooden is not only does he make an impression on you while you're there, but 
he continues long after that and then it changes you know um you know first as a coach as a as a sophomore and a, you know as junior i mean you know he was very intimidating he's you know i mean he was he was uh, uh he was already an icon i mean you know and you didn't want to do anything to to uh upset him and you know plus the tradition you didn't want to let the tradition down uh and he had these uh, you know, he was a poet. He was an English major, English teacher. He would had these steely blue eyes. He just, you felt like he was just, I felt like he was just looking through me whenever he looked at me. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he was just, uh, just a really, uh, it's hard to describe what he was like. Uh, he wasn't in, in, interested in branding or self-promotion or he just wasn't interested. Now he was interested in winning, but he approached that. He never said, guys, we need to win a game. You know, we won 88 games in a row. You know, let's win the, let's break the record, win 61. He never said that. All he asked is you'd be able to look in the mirror after the game and know you gave your best. Now he meant it. He meant it when he said it. And his practices were, uh, they weren't long and drawn out, but they were extremely intense. And it, it was almost like being in a symphony. Uh, but uh uh, but he was—he was very. I mean, he, you know, he—he he understood winning and losing. But as far as self-promotion, he—he—he he, he could care less about that. Right, so what about so? Which team and and what you know? What season that you had there? You had some great seasons, obviously. So what season was the most memorable for you, and why? You no, know, I think the first year, year as a sophomore, we we couldn't play as freshmen, uh, and they you know, coach called Bill and I in before the season says sports uh, Sydney Wicks and Curtis Rowe and Henry Beebe and those guys had just won the championship. He said, sports illustrated wants to do a story on you guys on the upcoming season. And Bill and I kind of looked at each other. So we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, we passed on it, but that first season, you know, it was a lot of doubt in my mind, even though I was excited to be at UCLA and be recruited, but you know, you know Rick, that doesn't necessarily translate to success. And, 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 and so, uh, you know, I still felt a, a, a real deep need to prove I belonged and to prove myself. And so that sophomore year was the most memorable. And I would say the championship game, it was played in Los Angeles at the sports arena. Um, and, uh, you know, I, got a lot of shots and had a pretty good game. So I, I, then I really felt maybe I belonged, but up until then I, I had a lot of uh, nagging doubts. Wow. And, and for people who aren't familiar, uh, Jamal Wilkes was part of uh, a, a, a run at UCLA. You won 88 consecutive games at one point, two national titles. Uh, and Jamal, I'm sure you're aware of this. Um, John Wooden stated that, when asked who is the ideal player, he said, you. Well, I mean, that must no, be the, that's uh, not what he said, but uh, it was interpreted that way. And I don't know why he said it. I, I never asked him why he said it. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't really know what that means, but, but I'm honored that he said it. And, you know, and yeah, of, course, you of course, you know, it's all in my press releases, <laughs> 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 you know, and all that, but I just tried to, you know, I think what it was, was, you know, my dad was kind of real similar to how Coach Wooden was. And, and so I think maybe that kind of helped. And, and, and then I tried to stay out of trouble, whereas some of my other teammates, you know, seemed to have a penchant for finding it. 
So I, I don't know why he said it, but I'm honored he said it. And every, every, you just said it, it sent chills down my spine. Every time I hear that, it sends chills down my spine. Amazing. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, that's a fabulous situation to be in there. And you played with some great players. There's no question about that. And then from there, uh, what were you thinking about after your last year? Where did you uh, where did you think you might be going? Because I know where you wound up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that whole senior year, we were starting to look ahead. Uh, you know, I need at least I was and. Uh, you know, as you know, Rick, back then it was very different. It wasn't like today where, you know, the draft is televised now. You know, I mean, everything's a big deal. It was much more low-key back then. Uh, and, you know, I was hoping I could stay in California. That was my first thought. And so the Warriors, you know, were, you know, were obviously very attractive for that reason. Oh, although the team, you know, as you know, Rick, had been – we weren't predicted to do that well mm -hmm. that first year. And so – you know, that was a bit of a challenge, but uh, uh, I was just happy to have a chance to play in the NBA and, 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 and just ecstatic I could stay in, in the West Coast, which is where I spent my whole life. Right. Incredible. Well, it, uh, well, it, it turned out to be quite, uh, you know, quite good for you to do that. I mean, the, I think the nicest thing about it probably, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about it, is that it, it probably was good that you knew that you didn't have to go in and carry a big burden offensively, although you were the second best offensive player on the team. I mean, but, but the thing is, is that you know that you didn't have to come in and know that that was a responsibility that you had. You just had to go out there and play your game, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, and just follow the system. I mean, coach Wooden had a kind of, you know, kind of had a system and, and, uh, uh, you know, we had six high school Americans, my friend in my freshman class, I mean, we had great players. So, and he would be the first to tell you, you know, a, a good coach needs good players, great players. So, right. yeah, we were able to go in and, and, and just focus on the system. Yeah, and, well, and you also were able to do that, as I say, on the pro level as well, as I'm saying. I mean, you were the second leading scorer on our team, but you know that you didn't – that wasn't something that was asked of you to do. You just were able to go out there and play, and it just happened because you were a hell of a player. Yeah, no, it's true. I wasn't asked to do it, but uh, I wanted to play, and, and, you know, I had to figure out ways to contribute and add value to the team. So, you know, however I could do that, uh, that's what I tried to do. And he what did – well. Oh, sorry. No, it's what I'm saying. He did it quite well. Jamal Wilkes joining me here on the Rick Barry Show. Uh, Cyrus, you had a question for Jamal? Yeah, well, I'm just curious. So, you know, you two were teammates on that 75 championship team. Jamal, you're, you were a rookie on that team, um, which really stands out. But what happened where you went from the greatest franchise ever, the Warriors, to the scumbags, the Lakers? Like, well, like, like how did that come about? <laughs> well, now, now, Rick, if I may, uh, we, we were, that, that first year, I remember they traded uh, – Nate Thurman for Clifford Ray and they uh, I think they traded Clyde Lee and there were a lot of changes and as I recall we were picked to finish like fifth no 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 we weren't even picked to be a playoff team correct correct yeah. and so that was real different for me and and I'll never forget Rick when you said in, a, in, a, in a, the, the beginning of the season I guess you had come from you know your church or some activity and, and you said uh you know, you were saying, okay, this doesn't matter. But you say, out of the mud grows the lotus flower. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. You know, I mean, we were, we weren't in pick to make the playoffs. We weren't supposed to do anything. I think the previous five first round picks had all been bust. Uh, 
And so that's kind of what happened was just out of, out of nowhere, out of the mud came this, this beautiful thing. Now, and now to answer your question, Cyrus, in my opinion, Rick, I think Mr. Muley, frankly, the, the game was going from a rich man's hobby to, to major, major business, corporate business. Mm-hmm. And, I just don't think he had the money. He had the, he managed oh. to keep the team in the Bay Area, but he didn't have the money to pay anybody. What, what did you think? No, no, he didn't. He really didn't have any. You know, he was not a super wealthy guy, um, oh. and he did not have the money to be able to, uh, to to pay the kind of salaries that they could. You know, and so you had an opportunity to to go someplace where you could you know benefit yourself, and you're thinking about your future and what you're going to do with your life. And so that's what happened. And, uh, and it kind of happened a little bit because of the fact that uh, I decided to leave. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I actually wanted to stay in the Bay Area because, you know, the, the thinking was Phil and I, you know, you would, you would retire and then Phil and I would be the guy. So I wanted to stay up in Oakland, but he mm. just didn't have the money. And, uh, oh. and, and when that happened, you know, then I, you know, I started to look, I think the Lakers had just traded Cassie Russell or something. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. You know, maybe, maybe there'll be an opening. And so, and, and my lawyer was based in Los Angeles, my, my agent. So uh, then LA just became a, my first option, but I, I, I really liked the Bay Area. You were, you were, see, you were so fortunate, one of the fortunate guys. I mean, you wanted to be there. You had ties to both places. You get to go and be rookie of the year. And, and 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 play on you know on on a team that winds up creating the biggest upset in the history of the NBA Finals. In fact, I always say of the three major sports, biggest upset ever in the championship series. And then you get to go down to LA where you love to be. <laughs> I mean, that's like crazy. I mean, that just doesn't happen you all the time for people. So no, no, yeah, I agree with that. But but Rick, here's the here's the reason our championship was overlooked was that you didn't guarantee we'd win it like Namath did. So it's your fault, too. (laughs) You know what? I I knew that we were going to be better than what people thought, but I, in my wildest dreams, never thought that we were going to be able to win the championship. But I will say when we got to play and we got to the finals after you guys bailed me out when I was stinking up the gym in game seven in the Western Conference finals and my teammates bailed me out and gave me a chance to redeem myself in the last five minutes and we went on to the finals. I honestly, in my heart, thought we could win. I, I mean, I up until that point, I was not sure. But when we got to that final round, I really believed we were going to beat them. Now, I didn't believe we were going to sweep them, but right. I believed we were going to beat them. I didn't think – I didn't – the championship was – I never even thought of that. I mean, that was just – I didn't even imagine that. And then, you know, that – that Chicago series was so grueling and, you know, we didn't bail you out, Rick. You carried us all year long. So, you know, we just paid, no, paid you no, back, no. No, no, back you, a little bit. And I didn't to, think we would sweep those guys either. I, I mean, that thought never crossed my mind. I was just, I was just happy to be there. And I was just trying to take one game, trying to get one game at a time. And, and, but, but the sweeping the bullets, I mean, that never crossed my mind. Yeah, no, I mean, and you guys did bail me out. Please trust me on this folks. I was two for 14. And I tell people <laughs> the, greatest, the greatest coaching move Al Adams made in his career was benching me in the third quarter. <laughs> well, you know, but you and Al were good buddies, you know, went back and, uh, and it was a good move. It was a good move on his part, but yet you still made that play where noobs caught the lay, caught the pass and made the layup. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the last yeah, he held me out for a lot longer than I wanted to be held out. But the thing is you guys helped you guys, you were in the game at the time. You guys held Chicago scoreless for seven and a half minutes to get us back in the game. 
And then he kept me out for the rest of the quarter, kept me out for the beginning for a number of minutes in the fourth quarter as well. Unfortunately, when I came back in, I, you know, I think, I believe, I think I went five for seven or something, you know, made the pass to George on that jump shot. Yeah, one of my favorite plays to go up for a jump shot and then hit your man cut into the basket when the defense is stupid enough to turn their head. But and he, uh, and, 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 and he didn't have the best hands either. Yeah, well, I didn't throw it too hard. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 I mean, it, it was just so surreal that, you know, uh, you made the play, he caught the ball, he made the lift. I mean, you know, it was just yeah, very it, surreal. It was, it was fun. I mean, it was great to, to have that because we were what I always felt a team should be, which is a team that everybody is kind of together. Egos were put into the closet. Everybody played as hard as they could play, whether they played two minutes or 20 minutes, it didn't matter. And everybody pulled for one another. And, you know, it's just, it's a wonderful experience when you have that. And so I'll always be eternally grateful for that. Uh, and you just said something, we were a good defensive team too. I mean, we were a very good defensive team. We were a smart team. We were very fast. I mean, we were a very exciting team. Yeah, but we also, but here's the thing, you talked about, we, I think we led the league in rebounding. And we weren't wow. big. We were 6'9", six, six, Clifford Ray, 6'7", uh, me, and 6', and you're, you're what, 6'6", six, six, right? Yeah, 6'7", six, six, seven, six, six, I seven. rounded up 6'6 six, six and a half. Well, I, was six, <laughs> I, I, was, I, I could say 6'8", because I was 6'7 and a half with bare feet and 6'8", but that's not a big front line. And, and no. plus, like, put the weight, put the weight in there. Back in those days, Clifford was not a big, huge monster. He was like oh, no body fat; he was like total, completely muscle. And then you were what, maybe 180 pounds or something? I don't. I, I when I was dripping wet, yeah. When you're dripping wet, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And then me, you know, I wasn't big old, you know, big old strong guy. I was maybe maybe 200, 205. And yet we led the league of rebounding, but that's because if you play smart and you understand positioning, you understand the game. And you came from a background at a school that taught you how to play the right way. Yeah, and Wooden, Coach Wooden always taught that. You know, he said, be, be quick to the rebound. You know, don't, you know, just box out and be quick to the ball. And so uh, that's what we did, you know. Yeah, that was, uh, it was, it was sure a lot of fun. And here's the only thing, Cyrus, that I will say. I, the one thing I was most disappointed in is how long it took for the people who are on the committee, because they switch them around all the time, to vote this man, Jamal Welks, into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And thank God they finally did it. And we got enough people with enough brains to realize that this man deserved to be in there with the high school career, the collegiate career, and the professional career that he had. For him to have taken so long to get in there was a travesty. Well, I appreciate you, Rick. And in those times I didn't get in, you'll never know how much I appreciated your pep talks and, and your encouragement. Uh, it meant so much. Well, uh, and, uh, just a matter of time. I mean, it was just stupid that they were taking that long to do it because you had more qualifications than a whole bunch of guys that were already in the league. I mean, I, I just, I don't understand it sometimes. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that that happened to. Artis Gilmore was another one that took, it mm. took the committee for the ABA committee to get him in there. I mean, come on, give me a break. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not familiar with how amazing it is. Of our championship season and everything, what, what was the most memorable part of that for you after having experienced so much when you were in college? The championship season? You know, what was the most memorable thing is that team, most teams I played on were expected to be well. I mean, UCLA, they, Coach Wooden had a machine, you know, Bill Walton, all the great players there, Henry Bibby, uh, so on and on. And with the Lakers, you know, I mean, not only, I mean, Dr. Buss, Jerry West, Bill Sharman, they're all in the Hall of Fame. And, and they were running 
the Lakers. Then you had, you know, Kareem, who's now the all-time leading scorer. You get a Magic and Worthy and Rambus and all these guys. We were expected to do well. And, you know, fortunately, uh, I think we, you know, we certainly tried to meet expectations. But with that Warrior team, we weren't expected to do anything. And (laughs) in a way, not only is it my first year in the NBA that I cut my teeth, and, 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 and on and on and on, but we weren't expected to do anything. And, 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 you know, I look at championships like children, you know, you love them all. They're each special, but they're different. They're different. They're not all the mm. same. And, uh, that warrior championship, uh, I mean, I'm on your podcast, Rick. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm tempted to say it's the most special, but I won't go that far. Yeah, okay. you, don't, you, don't, you don't piss off Laker Nation, right? I, I mean, no, or I don't want to piss off the Bruins either. You know, you oh, let's just say, let's just say it's 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 a, it's a double entry. It's a one A one B, right? Two bucks, and you can bet on both horses. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rick, you always come up with the angle, man. <laughs> Well, you know, well, you know, speaking of the Lakers, uh, what I think a lot of people don't realize is that you had one of the greatest game clinching performances in NBA finals history. And that game six that everyone remembers Magic Johnson for when he filled in for Kareem playing center, you put in 37 and 10. Uh, And Magic repeatedly says as well, when when that game's brought up, don't forget Jamal Wilkes. Um, does it bother you that that you got overshadowed in that game? Does it matter? I mean, tell us about that experience as well. Yeah, well, you know, we won. It was a great experience. And, you know, I mean, let's face it. Magic did have an incredible game. Yeah, yeah. And it was high drama. And now the week earlier that week in the rookie of the year voting, Larry Bird won. And he won by a huge margin. I mean, it was embarrassing. You know, I mean, it's 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 okay. He won, but at least let Magic get a couple votes. You know, and so I think when Kareem went down, uh, you know, man, I knew he was going to go for it, which he did. It does not bother me that I was overshadowed because early on I made a decision that it was more important to me to win and be a champion. Now, if if I was the best player. Well, if I was the leading scorer, the leading rebounder, whatever, that's okay. That's okay, too. But I didn't have to be that as long as I felt I contributed to, 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 to the success of the team or, or whatever. Plus, the team and management always made me feel very appreciated. So, you know, but, you know, looking back on that, we could see it was the beginning of a cultural phenomenon. You know, for what happened with the now we got prime cabled and the dream team so it just kind of went and then so we had bird and magic come in and just kind of took off from there so uh you know i was happy for him he was happy for me he does always bring it up he said oh no 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 don't remember <laughs> jamal he i mean every time he brings it up and he, he had an incredible game and it was it was high drama i mean you know it, it was high drama although mm. now i will say this I think Kareem deserved to be MVP of that series. Wow, that's and, a bold claim. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and I know that's almost um, you know sacrilege, <laughs> but nonetheless, Magic had an incredible game. You know, it was uh, <clears throat> and 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 the only reason I say that is because <clears throat> Magic had that game, but you know, the three 
others, you know, Kareem was very much a part of them. Uh, and so, uh, but had we not won that night, you know, we don't know if Kareem would have been able to play game seven. So we approached that game six like it was game seven, literally. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud I was able to have the night I did, but, but Magic did have an unbelievable night. I'm yes, he certainly it. did. Did you know, uh, Jamal, because I broadcast that game. I was going to ask that because I was, that's crazy. Yeah, I did. Wow. I, the, I, I was the I was the uh, the color commentator for that game. It was a remarkable performance, and I was so happy for you, knowing you know knowing what you're capable of doing. What was your what was the career high you had points wise in your NBA career? Thirty seven that night that, that game. That's what I thought. I that thought game, that, yeah. I thought that was your career high. I, yeah, that's what I, I'm remembering that now. Saying, my God, this guy's. Had an amazing, an amazing game. Uh, so, and the other thing that people don't talk about for you also is that people don't realize that you did such a great, you know, good job defensively because you were the guy, even though we had a lot of help and we did a lot of doubling and even tripling on Elvin Hayes, you know, Jamal did an unbelievable job, Cyrus, you know, guarding Elvin Hayes and the bullets in that series. Yeah, but it was a team effort, man. I had a lot of help. And, uh, you know, again, that was so, what was so great about that team and, and maybe that, well, I can't say that era. I don't know if all the other teams were like that, but, Everyone was just really helpful. Like you said earlier, Rick, no one really cared, you know, about credit or they played two minutes. I mean, everybody wants to play. Let's face it. But, you know, the reality is not, not everyone's going to play all the time. And so, you know, guys have to make adjustments and some guys have to adjust their games. And, and we did that. You know, I mean, each to a man, we all did that. And so, uh, you know, in the best interest of, of the team. So it was... Uh, I had a lot of help and I, you know, and I give Bill Bridges a lot of credit, you know, well, once we got Bill mid season in that trade, you know, we, we had an enforcer then. <clears throat> yeah. Well, he, they only picked him up for one reason and he replaced Frank Kendrick, uh, who was a great team team guy as well. And uh, from Purdue and they picked him up mainly because of him being able to play defense against Bob Love in the Chicago series. That's the reason that we got him because he. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Frank Kendrick was a great teammate. Yeah. He's a third rookie that year. Yep. Yep. And he was. And, uh, but that's why we got Bill Bridges and he did a, he did a terrific job in that particular series because he really didn't play uh, very much against Washington. No, but knowing he was on that bench with his wrist, uh, with his finger as thick as my wrist. <laughs> hey, listen, I was, I was, yeah, but that, and I was also happy that Al Adels was on the bench as well, the destroyer himself, <laughs> who came yeah, out. Oh, yeah, 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 oh, Al Adels. He well, that's, out that's, that's... that reared when he jumped over my back and stuff that, that he was going to get reared and away from me so that I wouldn't get thrown out of the game, so... That was an interesting experience as well. Yeah, so, that had to be. And he was out there so fast. Uh, he was. He, Al was quick. People don't realize. He, they call him destroyer. He had quick hands. He would have been an unbelievable boxer had he decided to go into boxing. I saw him one time. <laughs> remember on Zelmo Beatty with the Hawks in my rookie year. It was like, wow. I mean, he was, wow. Yeah, he was a tough guy. So, Jamal, so before I let you go, uh, anything that you're working on and doing now to let people kind of catch up on uh, what's happening in your life? Whoa, well, uh, we've expanded our family, my wife and our grandparents. We have uh, two sets of twins. Two? Uh, oh, yeah. And congratulations. No, thank you, yeah. Oh. They're, so they're like, uh, see, well, we, the twin boys are about two and a half, and then twin girls are about seven, eight months. And uh, so that's been a major excitement for me and our family. And, and then, you know, I've 
you know, I'm always open to look for opportunities in sports. I'm, um, you know, working with a hedge fund and, um, mm. you know, I just look for, you know, I, I, I'm open, but, uh, I'd say the most exciting thing is, is, uh, becoming grandparents. Uh, we're, Aww. yeah, we're so high about that. That's amazing. That's is that amazing. From, is that from the same mother for both sets of twins or two separate ones? Two separate mothers. My my okay. oldest son married a gal, and then my youngest son. Yes, two separate mothers. Yeah. And both your boys played for Cal, correct? Yeah, I was going to ask you very quickly. Your because I know what it was like for me to watch my boys and everything. So, what was it like for you to be able to watch your your sons continuing on to, to play in the sport that was so near and dear to you? Well, you know what? I, I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. But but now I did, you know, I did like say, okay, this is them, not me. You you know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, uh, I, I try not to get too involved in the, you know, coaching and all that and the administration and try not to get too upset whether I, you know, the referees or the coach made, you know, a ridiculous decision or not. I just tried to roll, <laughs> roll with it. And, uh, uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. Uh, it was a really big event for our family, you know, to go watch the guys play. And our daughter played volleyball. She didn't play basketball, but even that was exciting. Uh, and, uh, but I, I tried to stay out of it. So, uh, I mean, unless they asked me a question, uh, I would try not to say anything, but I knew if I did say something, I only had one chance. And so I, <laughs> I so I tried to pick and choose very carefully. Yeah. I know what you went through when it came to that doing it. Yeah. Of all the boys, my, my youngest one, Canyon's probably the only one that actually actually sought out my 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 opinion about things. The other guys didn't want to hear anything. So, yeah, no, right, but, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I mean. Here's the thing: <laughs> people don't understand. Like in my wife, who you know was all American basketball player, ran USA women's basketball for years at all. We would sit there. It's so much more difficult when you're watching your child play in a sport that you know so well because you know what they're doing correctly, what they're doing incorrectly, as opposed to some of the parents who are just out there cheering for their kids. They have no idea whether they're doing something good or bad. They're just so happy to see them out there. And I mean, I was happy to see them there, but it made it very difficult. And especially, like you say, the thing about seeing what happened with the coaches. And I was like you. I was not a meddling parent. As much as I sometimes wanted to go down. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. As much as you want it to be sometimes. But I just made a rule. My wife and I just just keep your mouth shut. And that's what I tried to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not an easy thing anyway. So, hey, Tommy, I, just, I really appreciate you taking the time and short notice to do that. It was fun to come on and reminisce a little bit about this. I'm glad you're doing well health-wise. I'm uh, wishing you all the best with your grandkids and look forward to uh, to seeing you down the road somewhere. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, my man. And uh, all the best to you and your family. Cyrus, good to visit with you, sir. Jamal, it was such a pleasure. And uh, you have no idea. Neither of you will ever have any idea what it's like to sit with two Hall of Famers just in awe. I'm just purely in awe. And Jamal, thank you, sir. Is Jamal Wilkes uh, your Twitter handle? There is a at Jamal Wilkes. Is that you? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not that involved with it, honestly. But yeah, that's it. Okay, all right. Well, I'm sure Laker Nation and Warriors Nation would love your thoughts and insights if you ever decided to become active again. So that is his Twitter account, at Jamal Wilkes. And it was a pleasure, sir. Nice chatting with you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jamal. Thank you. All the best, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, uh, we're glad that you would join us for this edition of the Rick Barry Show. And we'll probably try to do a little bit more of this and have some guests on and not necessarily go and do in-depth evaluation of what's happening with all the Warriors players. We'll save a lot of that for the Warriors 24 show that Cyrus is hosting that I will join with him on occasion, depending upon my schedule. 
But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to record a, a new Warriors 24 seven tomorrow. I, I don't I, I uh, you said you might be traveling to, to Vegas. Uh, I'm not going to be available later in the day tomorrow. Um, but Larry Kruger of KNBR is going to join me. And if you're if you're available, all the better. Um, but in case you don't, uh, Kruger is going to join me and we're going to uh, talk about comments. Um, and we can talk about this real quick, Rick, if you if you want. Uh, I would love your insights. So Bob Myers uh, was on a radio show this morning and basically admitted that the team is not going to use the mid-level exception, that the players that they envisioned they were going to use that exception for are gone and they're just not going to use it. And he even made a comment saying he's he's looking out for Joe Lacob's best. And he, and he basically insinuated that Lacob just wants to spend money, but but Bob Myers is keep keeping him in check. I'll get that full quote and soundbite uh, soon, but I, that really disappoints me because uh, to me, you got to spend to win championships, you know, and the Warriors are in a position right now where, yeah, you got to spend a lot of extra money. You, you're in a dynasty. All those players are getting max contracts now. And if you want to keep this going, you got to spend money. Paul Millsap's out there. I learned today, Nicholas Batum, the Warriors could have had him uh, if they offered him the mid-level exception. They only offered him the, the veteran minimum. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Are you okay with that? That, that the team is basically trying to save a few bucks despite the fact that they're, they're the billionaires and they don't really need to? Well, it's the first I've heard of this. Um, it's breaking news. It, this just came, I just learned about this like an hour ago. So, uh, I, so yeah. I, and here's the deal. Personally, to use it, just to use it, if you don't truly believe that the person that you can get is going to be a valuable addition to your team, then I say don't use it. And maybe it's a situation for what they've seen here so far by Kaminga and, and, you know, and uh, Moody that they like what they're seeing and what's going to do, it's going to give more opportunities for especially Kaminga to get a chance to play and get some time and learn under fire. Uh, I, I, again, watching this thing again, I'm, 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 he's, I'm, I'm become a little bit of a fan of his because I I know I see it. I no, see no. you're turning the page. You are. No, no because, <laughs> because I hadn't really seen him play a lot. I was just looking at stats and stats don't tell the whole story, although they don't lie when it comes to percentages, especially at the free throw line. Right. I mean, there's a lot of other factors with twos and threes and when you have to take them. And there's no doubt he's got to get better in those areas. But I see skills and things that he does that are very impressive to me. I mean, yeah. yeah. And so I think he does have the potential to become a really good player, but it's all going to be predicated on him learning some of the little fine nuances we discussed on our last show, but also, right. but also him getting to be a better shooter. He's got to become a more consistent shooter from twos and threes in the free throw line. If he does that with the other skills he has and the abilities that he has and keeps working on all of that, I see a really nice upside for him. I really do. And I actually think right now, Moody brings a little bit more to the table because he looks like he's pretty darn good from those three-point shots. He's very smart oh. about getting open. I So I like both of them. I, I really do. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, how much they're going to contribute remains to be seen. But I'm, I'm, I have some optimism now, which I didn't have before. I know. I hear it. It's it's fascinating. I'm the one who's the pessimist right now because I, I would have liked Nicholas Batum. I think he, he could have contributed this year, especially if you're trying to uh, win a championship with this small window you still have with Steph, Clay, and Dre. Um, I, I don't know. It just bums me out. I just never like seeing my team pass up potentially valuable players just to save money. I, I just don't, you know, Eddie DeBartolo spoiled me because of that, because he was an owner who spent whatever it took 
to win championships or in his case, Super Bowls. And, you know, the Warriors had a chance to either add Batum. I think I still think Paul Millsap would be a valuable addition to the team. And they're just not, apparently not going to get him probably because someone else will offer him the, the minimum, the, 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 the mid-level exception. I don't know. I just, you know, I, I need to sit with this, I guess. I love your optimism, though. I mean, I, I'm going to I think I'm going to try and just play this snippet uh, during the show tomorrow uh, for, so people can hear your insights, because your optimism is going to make Dub Nation very happy. Yeah, no, I, I, and I think that this I'm just speculating that for what I said could very well be the case that they think the potential of someone like Kaminga is it's worth keeping him and trying to develop him quicker than you would be able to do it if you brought somebody in that would take time possibly away from him. And if those other people aren't going to be bringing what you think is necessary to take you to the next level, then why spend the money? It's probably more valuable to get him to become a player that can contribute for you for the second at the, by the second half of the season, because they're going to be playing. They're going to be playing a, a whole, you know, half the season is more than a college basketball season. Okay. So there's That's a true. whole lot of time to, you know, to be able to get out there and develop and work on it. And so it's just a matter of what they're working with him on and who's working with him and how much effort and time he's willing to put into it. it seems as though he has the right attitude and he's willing to possibly do that. But I did see, some things that I, I was very impressed with. Mm. I mean, the last one in this last game, that one move that he made and he did mm. the spin and did stuff and threw that pass to his teammate, that was yes. a hell of a play. I mean, that that's what you can't teach. That's did you see deal. did you see Gary Payton the second's dunk in that game? And, and what do you think of Gary Payton the second? I, I'm loving this kid. What do you think? Yeah, well, again, he's he's looking like he's going to be someone that can contribute to the team as well. So they've got a lot of young people that hopefully they'll do what our just guest that we just had on our show, Jamal Wilkes, did for us and uh, and come through. And, and they got two guys because, you know, Moody could be like Phil Smith was. I mean, it, that, I, I see the potential. Those guys have some skills. There's no question about it. So definitely much more optimistic. I'm still concerned about what's going to happen in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where I think Millsap could help. I know he's not tall, but he, he's strong and he could grab rebounds for you. But thank you, Rick. You actually made me feel better. So and I'm sure a lot of Warriors fans feel the same now. I mean, I, I respect your opinion tremendously. And, and until you just spoke about this, I was pissed. I was not very happy. So uh, thank you. <laughs> Life happens for a reason. To me, that's the thing I looked at from what I saw from him. If I was GM doing stuff and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to develop this kid in the beginning part of the season and give him a chance to do something. I'm not going to bring somebody else in that could take minutes away from this guy. I got to give this guy minutes. Rick, you did a tremendous job booking this show today. Thank you. I mean, that was how, I mean, to get both Mullins and Jamal Wilkes on the show was tremendous. Um, people please follow Rick Barry on any of his social media platforms at Rick 24 Barry. Uh, you, uh, your CBD company that you're working with do you want to talk about them real quick medicinaleaf.com you go to medicinaleaf.com and uh, you can check that out it's uh it's amazing amazing products if you're into it it's you know no thc or anything and it. it's all kind of it's it's all healthy natural stuff and it, it it's high quality super high quality products so you just need to do that and then if you want to go and do something with it you just put in the promo code 24 and you'll get a nice substantial discount at the end if you decide to get some products with that and then the other one is GhostSleeves.com, GhostSleeves.com. And if you put capital RB24 in that code, you'll get a nice discount for that. They're amazing sleeves. I'm actually trying to get 
through Leandro Barbosa to get Clay to be able to measure stuff. And I want Clay to get some of these to where I think these will be really great for him and, uh, and help him a little bit, a lot. I think they'll help him a lot. Um, and I just, I'd like to get some to him so that he can try him out and see, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pulling for him because he's one of my favorite players as well. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm on their website right now, go sleeves.com. And these are like knee braces and, well, and support brace. for joints. Sleeve. It's not a brace. It's not a brace. Oh, it's, it's a, a sleeve. sleeve. I apologize. Okay. It's sleeve. Uh, it has kinesiology tape already. It's kinesia built into it. Uh, I love these. I don't have to wear them. I wear them when I play pickleball all the time. They just feel so good. They're great for recoveries. Just read all about it and you see the reviews. People love them. They're reasonably they're reasonably priced and they're a great, great high quality product. Beautiful. And and if you go to medisaleaf.com, uh, Rick, I see you right there. You're you're pictured as one of the, the number one athlete that's endorsing their product. And again, that's medisaleaf.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DocSurfRoadShow. You can follow the program on all social media platforms at Warriors 24 pod. Rick, this is always a pleasure. Every time I host one of these shows with you, it's the highlight of my day and uh, safe travels to Vegas and go big three. Yeah. If that's, if that's the case, I feel sorry for you. If that's the highlight <laughs> of my I hope you have a better life than that. Uh, yeah. Heading down to the big three. Big three we're, still in, we're still in the hunt. I didn't get my appeal to go through, but uh, we're still <laughs> trying to see if we can make it to Paradise Island to get in there to at least have one weekend there. We'll see. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna try to get. We'll get Leandro Barbosa on the show sometime yes. too. Yes, yes. Uh, All the best, everybody. God bless. Presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E. AV on YouTube.